Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Traditionally, financial planning advice is either only for those who are already wealthy or salespeople calling themselves financial advisors who say they'll give you free financial advice but really just sell products to earn commissions. Fearless Finance takes a dramatic departure from either of those traditional models. Their entire business is built on making financial advice accessible and affordable because we know that financial literacy, stress reduction, and financial security are critical to overall well-being. I'm a little bit obsessed with Elizabeth, our fearless finance advisor. I've had an array of advisors in the past who answered questions like, should we be spending less on this with evasive answers like, it depends on your priorities. Not Elizabeth. She answers with actually helpful guidelines. You're spending more than the average family of five, or I'd like to see this increase by 6%. Uh, thank you. This is Fearless Finance's mission, to make advice affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually and they charge you by the hour. You only pay for the time you use down to a quarter hour. Their planners meet with you where you are on your financial journey, no judgment. Visit fearlessfinance.com today. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit and you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use the code pantsuit. That's fearlessfinance.com and use code pantsuit for $50 off your first planning meeting. Hi, it's Beth here for another pantsuit primer. Let's talk about the Affordable Care Act. The Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act was signed into law on March 23rd of 2010, and this law has the biggest impact on healthcare since Medicare and Medicaid laws were passed in the 1960s. I'm going to try to do an overview of the law for you, but you need to know that this law is 2,700 pages long and that there are nearly 20,000 additional pages of regulations implementing the law, so I'm not going to hit everything. I also want to tell you that I have an opinion about the Affordable Care Act, kind of a strong one. I'm going to try to check that at the door because the purpose of our primer episodes is just to give you some basic information not to debate the pros and cons. Sarah and I will do that in Tuesday's episode. So if you already know a lot about the Affordable Care Act, just turn this one off, pop in on Tuesday, and we'll chat with you then. If you're looking for some more information, I'm going to try to give that to you. Since I know that we have a number of listeners who are high school and college students, I want to take just a quick second to talk about what insurance is, because I don't know that we really focus on this enough, especially before we're paying for insurance. So think of insurance like paying a fee to hedge your risks. When you pay a premium to an insurer, it's you're buying a product and that product is risk management. 
And then you start cost sharing with your insurance company. And so that happens under the terms of whatever product you buy. Your product is like a little contract between you and the insurer. So in the context of healthcare, I pay a premium and then there's a list that says how we're going to allocate my risk if I need medical services. Maybe my insurance company says it's going to pay for my annual physical completely. I don't have to pay for that at all. That's good for the insurance company, right? The insurance company wants me to know what's going on with me and catch it early and treat it because hopefully that leads to less expensive health care than what would happen if I had something going on that I don't know about and it gets worse and worse and worse before we do something about it. The insurance company and I are going to have this agreement that's written into my plan about how I pay for prescription drugs, how I pay for emergency room visits, where I can go because the insurance company gives me access to a network. That's part of what I'm buying. So the insurance company has a contract with me. It also has tons of contracts with doctors and healthcare facilities and pharmaceutical companies that say, here's how much we're willing to pay for the services or products that you're providing. So all of this really is just a financial scheme designed to help me as a consumer know what my maximum exposure might be in the instance that something terrible happens to me. Or year over year, I can sort of have an idea of how much I'm going to spend on healthcare in total. Now, that doesn't work very well for most of us because we have no idea what healthcare services we're going to need over the course of the year. And because insurance companies, in order to make this work, need to collect more in premiums. They need more people buying their products than what they pay out in claims because they're trying to administer this whole complex system, which requires a ton of infrastructure, which requires investment. They're also trying to make a profit. So in order to make a profit, despite not knowing what's going to happen to me over the course of a year or any of their other customers, insurance companies have started to play a bigger role in our healthcare than we might desire by putting some tight restrictions on those networks and putting some restrictions on what kind of services they will pay for and they won't, what they won't pay for. I always have the option as a consumer to just pay for stuff myself, right? But my contract with my insurer might limit the kind of coverage that they'll kick in if I make that choice. So we're all kind of negotiating this really complicated scheme that we never have a lot of time to focus on entirely, that it's hard to get good information about. And that has contributed to the problem of a very expensive, very incoherent, difficult to navigate healthcare system. And that's some of what the Affordable Care Act is trying to get at. Okay, stay with me. I'm going to talk about a couple of the main goals of the Affordable Care Act. And then at the end, I'm just going to quickly run through some mythology. So hopefully we can all focus on insurance for about 20 minutes here together. Main goal of the Affordable Care Act is expanding health insurance. It's doing this through some requirements on individuals and requirements on employers. Now, what I want you to understand is that laws are only as good as the mechanisms in place to enforce those laws. So when I say that an individual has to have health insurance under the Affordable Care Act, what I mean is not, and then you'll go to jail if you don't have it. It's that you'll pay a penalty. This is a taxing law. The Supreme Court has said that, and that's how we've come to understand it. And it does make the most sense to me to view this as a taxing law. You, quote, have to buy health insurance 
If you don't, you'll pay a penalty. So we all have a choice in front of us. Do I want to have health insurance or do I want to pay the penalty? It's just a financial decision I can make every year. Employers have to cover their workers unless they are a small business or have some other exemption who are full-time. They just have to provide affordable coverage. And if they don't, there's a financial penalty for that. The devil, of course, is in the details on this regulation. So thinking through how coverage is assessed as affordable, there are formulas out there for that. Um, And employers are doing a lot of work to make sure that they're complying with that affordable standard. How employers have to report that they do, in fact, provide that coverage is a work in progress and something that is costing a lot of money to figure out and a lot of time and a certain amount of confusion. So small businesses who don't have to cover their workers under the Affordable Act Care Act can get tax credits if they choose to do so. So there's sort of the carrot and the stick component going on here, depending on the size of the business. In addition to that individual mandate, so the law says you have to have health insurance or you have to pay this penalty, the Affordable Care Act is helping people with certain income levels buy that insurance. So there are premiums and cost-sharing credits and other subsidies available to individuals and families with income between 133 and 400% of the federal poverty level. And then there are some penalties for employers who have employees receiving those tax credits for health insurance through an exchange. So let's talk about what the exchanges are. I think it's most helpful to think of the exchanges as Amazon for insurance. One of the myths out there about the Affordable Care Act is that government has taken over health insurance. That's just not the case. What government has done under the Affordable Care Act is say, let's use technology to create stores for private insurance companies to sell their products. And then once we create those stores, let's make some rules about what we're going to sell there. So that's all that's happening with the exchanges. The exchanges are created at the state level. There are multi-state exchanges, and then there is a federal exchange that states can opt into if they decline to host their own exchange. But this really is just like a website where you can go on and say, what kind of plan do I need? Here are my options. And then you sort of check out with it and you've got your plan. Some of these have worked really well. Kentucky's exchange before Governor Bevan uh, signed an executive order shutting it down was working pretty well, according to most observers. There are other states where the exchange has not gone as well. It was well publicized that there were a number of hiccups with the technology around the federal exchange. But just understand that these exchanges are just sort of stores online for you to go shop for health insurance. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We use our phones for everything at this point, but did you know that you can use it for some sexy me time? Don't worry, your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library, a fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. 
New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. My son Oliver is almost two. The desire for more hours in the day has never been more real for me in my life. An extra hour for reading, for sleeping, for working, for playing, I could use any of it. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and to then make it a priority. Therapy can help you figure that out, help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. Just last week, my mom actually asked me about my experience with BetterHelp after hearing ads like this one for it. And I'm telling you what I told her. BetterHelp was the perfect solution for me in a time of my life when I had too many plates to juggle, but still very much needed to talk to someone about the experience of keeping all those plates in the air. BetterHelp made therapy easy and accessible right when those were qualities I needed most. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You just fill out a very brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. Now, what private insurers who choose to participate in the exchanges can put on the shelves in those stores is also defined by the act. So there are different plan levels. They're categorized as bronze, silver, gold, platinum that set caps on your out-of-pocket limit and how much of the cost sharing is going to happen. And the idea with this is to create more transparency. It's supposed to be a little simpler if you have done much research in the insurance industry, you know that you you can spend a whole lot of time trying to understand what a plan does and never really get there and end up just kind of throwing up your hands and saying, I'll take the cheapest premium. And then you're surprised later that when something happens, you have a gigantic deductible and a gigantic out-of-pocket expense. So I think the intention of these different plan levels is to make it a little simpler. Like if you're getting a bronze plan, you're paying less in the premium, but you're taking on more risk when something happens. If you're getting a platinum plan, you're going to pay more for the premium, but you're also going to get more coverage. So you've hedged your risk more with that platinum plan. In addition to the exchanges, the the Affordable Care Act regulates what insurance actually does. So insurance companies, in order to ensure that they could pay all the claims that are being incurred and also have a profit, have typically excluded people with pre-existing conditions. So if you and I are entering into a risk-sharing agreement, and I know that you're walking in with a ton of risk, I might just say, 
no thanks, you're not a good bet for me. And that's what insurance companies had been doing with pre-existing conditions. I know this person is likely to cause me to pay more in claims than they're going to pay in premium, so I'm not going to make that deal. The Affordable Care Act says you have to create temporary high-risk pools for people with pre-existing conditions. You have to take children with pre-existing conditions on your plans. It also says that you have to cover young adults on their parents' plans. There's a another kind of bucket of things happening in the Affordable Care Act that I think are designed to decrease negative insurance company behavior. And depending on how you feel about life, maybe you put the pre-existing conditions in that category or not. But here are some things that I think definitely go in that category. There is a restriction on the profits that insurance companies can make generally. So the Affordable Care Act says to insurance companies, hey, you're taking in that premium in order to pay claims. And if you don't spend at least 80 to 85% of premium payments, depending on your size as an insurer, on claims and other services that benefit your consumers, you have to provide rebates. So this really limits what's in it for insurance companies. It also prohibits some monetary caps on insurance coverage, prevents insurance plans from canceling coverage except in cases of fraud. So we're trying to, this is just basic kind of consumer protection stuff around insurance. I think this one is interesting. The Affordable Care Act establishes state-based rate reviews for premium increases. So as you've no doubt experienced, if you have an insurance plan that you pay for, You have to renew that plan year over year, and typically with the renewal, you get a rate increase. And that rate increase is supposed to correspond to the rate at which healthcare costs are increasing or decreasing, as well as your experience and the experience of all the people who share your plan. So if the insurance company finds that it made a bad deal last year, the premiums aren't enough to cover the cost of the claims and the profit that the insurance company is trying to make, it's going to raise those rates. Or if the claims look like, gosh, you're starting to incur some big expenses and we need to cover those expenses and plan for new expenses, we need to increase the rate, right? So these state-based boards are supposed to guard against unreasonable rate increases. Now, I think you have to ask a lot of questions about that. Unreasonable by what standard and who serves on those boards and what's the accountability for those boards? That's an area that I think is going to need probably a decade to develop in a way that we really understand its implications. The Affordable Care Act also tries to get beyond just health insurance into the actual cost of health care, which I appreciate because a criticism that I have of a lot of the Affordable Care Act is that it's aimed at insurance, which I think is a secondary problem. I think the, the ball game is just that health care is so expensive. So the Affordable Care Act tries to get at the cost of health care generally through prevention and wellness efforts. It creates a bunch of federal agencies and programs to address disease, immunization, poor nutrition, tobacco use, physical inactivity. Essentially, the idea is how can the federal government get involved in making us healthier so that we let the demand for health care go down and the price hopefully go down with that demand? Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Traditionally, the advice would be pick one. But thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ugh, ugh, out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka bra plum. 
Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. That's code PODCAST15. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. There are requirements for insurance companies to cover with no cost sharing certain preventive care. So if I've bought an insurance plan, which I'm supposed to now, or I pay a penalty, my insurer should not charge me any portion of certain preventive services, an annual physical, certain screenings for high blood pressure and diabetes. There's a the whole section of services that insurers are supposed to cover at 100%. There is an increase in Medicare payments for certain preventive services. So just a demonstration of the value of these services and incentives for providers to offer them. There is the establishment of a federal home visiting program for families in at-risk communities. There's requirement for restaurants with 20 or more locations in a chain to post nutritional information on menus. We've seen that happen. There's a requirement for Medicare to cover tobacco cessation programs for pregnant women on Medicare. There's a requirement for a federal oral health awareness program. So on and on and on attempts to try to make us healthier overall as a population. There's also a research component. So some requirements on federal comparative research to study the effectiveness of different medical treatments. There are studies on how to reduce medical malpractice, reduce medical errors, developing payment mechanisms to improve efficiency and results, investments in health information technology, trying to improve care coordination between Medicare and Medicaid for patients who qualify for both. I think that is a huge area of opportunity. Options for states to create health homes for people enrolled on Medicare who have multiple chronic conditions. That's another coordination of care issue. And then some data collection and reporting mechanisms to address disparities among health populations based on ethnicity and geography, gender, disability, status, and language. So a lot of let's better understand our health issues and how we're addressing them today embedded in this law. It is just undisputed that the Affordable Care Act raises taxes in a host of ways. So taxes on the pharmaceutical industry in the form of annual fees, taxes on the health insurance sector in the form of fees. There are fees on employer-sponsored plans. There are new taxes on certain income for people making over $200,000 a year. There are mechanisms for future taxes built into the Affordable Care Act. So there is a lot of uh, fundraising that has to be associated with all the things that this act is supposed to be doing. 
some fact versus fiction. Members of Congress and their staffs are not exempt from the Affordable Care Act. They have to purchase coverage through the exchanges. That mythology is very frustrating to proponents of the Affordable Care Act. So let's clear that up right now. On the other side of things, President Obama said at the beginning of the Affordable Care Act, and this was well publicized, that if you have a plan today that you like, you can keep it. And that's just turned out to not be true. Since the passage of the Affordable Care Act, about one in five plans that were sold just direct to consumer, not through employer-sponsored plans, did not meet the requirements of the Affordable Care Act and so just aren't offered anymore. That's where insurers are saying, look, there's not much in this deal for me anymore. I can't take this risk on, so I'm not going to offer the coverage. So people did lose coverage. People gained coverage as well. Also undisputed that the Affordable Care Act provided coverage for lots of people who did not have access to coverage before the act was passed. So pros and cons, right? The other myth that I wanted to address is that undocumented immigrants cannot purchase health insurance through the exchanges. There's some idea that we're suddenly giving coverage to illegal entrants into our country, and that's just not true. There's, in fact, a lot of regulation about how you have to prove your citizenship in order to qualify for subsidies on the exchanges. There are some very good websites that provide a neutral view of the Affordable Care Act, so I'm going to link those up for you in the show notes to our Tuesday episode. Things like, how does the Affordable Care Act treat abortion? Well, there are so many different provisions that address that issue that you can't just say it subsidizes abortion or it doesn't. It's a debated point uh, based on all the different provisions of the law working together and how they're implemented which is a lot of what's going on here. Even though we've had this law for five years now, there's still a ton of work to be done at the administrative agency level to fully implement it. And our Congress has been so busy just trying to get rid of it that we haven't seen a lot of legislative work to address some of the gaping holes in it or some of the problems with it. We'll talk a lot more about this on Tuesday. I hope this has been somewhat helpful to leading up to what we plan to be a nuanced discussion.